Happening, everybody. I'm Nolan Tuck. Stacy Glover. You're listening to Cinema Parlor. On this week's episode, we're going to be discussing a couple films by the late Jama Fanaka. We're going to be discussing Welcome Home, Brother Charles, and Penitentiary. Stacy, how you doing? I am good. How are you, man? What are you doing? Well, doing what well. What are you sipping on this week? I've got a, a couple sour beers over here. So the first one I'm going to be drinking. Uh, this is. From uh, Four Hands Brewery by us here in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. This is a passion fruit prusia. And uh, I've had this one like a year ago. It's very good. And then my second beer I'm going to be uh, drinking is from Dogfish Head. And it is a Super 8 Super Goza. This is a newer beer that we have uh, just picked up here. Hmm. So yeah. What are you having, man? Oh, I'm uh, pretty basic uh, this time out. Doing some new New Belgium Brut IPA. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I uh, I I've had the Sierra Nevada of that, but I haven't tried the New Belgium. Yeah, that's pretty good. Nice. Like it, you know, it's serviceable. Hits all the spots. Very good. You know, I've been watching a lot of stuff. I think I'm going to focus on a couple things to talk about here. Okay. Um, Instead of talking about some movies today, which if anybody is interested, you can check on my letterbox. I'm going to talk about a couple streaming sites that I've been uh, digging. So oh. just um, kind of. So one is the Criterion Collection now has a streaming site again after the Filmstruck had kind of uh, went away last fall, last winter. And so they've made their own uh, streaming site now, and uh, it's called the Criterion Channel. And it's available, you know, through Amazon Fire Sticks, through Roku, and through, you know, an app through your phones or computer. They don't have apps for, you know, uh, Xbox or PlayStation like that yet. I think you can also get on Chromecast. But I've really been digging what they've been doing. Um, Every month they've got new programming on there. Uh, They're adding new series and new directors, new... um, documentaries that they self-produce um what i've been going through a lot lately is uh in their first month they added the columbia noir set which are a lot of films i've never seen before and um they've got some really great films on there including um a noir by uh, jacques turner uh that i watched the other day called nightfall which i would highly recommend uh it was like something like kind of had a lot of uh Influence on Fargo, I believe. It's mm. a noir that takes place actually a lot in the snow. Um, I will say that there's like a case of money that is kind of lost slash hidden that can you looking for. Can you, can you like, is his style there? Like it is. It's, it's, film? it's a Turner, yes, Turner film. And it's the first actually film his I've seen that's not horror. That yeah. And like, you know, just straight up a horror film. And it's really good. I think you would like it a lot as awesome. well. So anyway, that set's really cool. And so I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to that and to let people know that I think it's like 10 bucks a month. And then a couple other streaming sites I want to give a shout out to. Uh, 
movie, which we've talked about before. They have they've been doing a lot of killer stuff over there lately. Uh, right now, they've got like a big uh, can because uh, can was this, this last week and a little bit into this week. Mm-hmm. And so every year they usually do like a, a big series on like past can winners. And so they've got some cool stuff in there right, right now with that. They were also doing a bit of a, uh, a series on Olivier Asias, some of his films, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, they also do like, they've been doing a series on like auteurs. So they'll show like double features of auteurs each day or not, they have in, in the last couple months here. But um, anyway, so that's a lot of good stuff going over there. If you guys are interested in that. And then the last streaming site I'll mention is Ovid, which is a new streaming site. Um, it's uh, they have a lot of uh, documentaries, a lot of newer stuff on there. Um, also some older stuff from people like Chris Marker and Chantel Ackerman. They they just kind of get some random stuff too. Like uh, if anybody's interested in Claire Denis' film Trouble Every Day, it's on there as she's kind of in the limelight a little bit right now um, with her newer film High Life, which mm-hmm. I saw and highly recommend. But um, so anyway, those are kind of three streaming services I've been digging on. And what about you, man? What have you been up to? Well, I've been watching a ton of Godzilla films. As far as like newer stuff, I've watched uh, Dragged Across Concrete. Mm-hmm. Did you watch that, right? I did, yes. We have differing takes on this movie. You loved yes, it. I did. I was not so hot on it. Okay. I just thought it was really long, and I I don't know. I feel like his stories are progressively getting less structured, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just long. It's really long. <laughs> just the and a perfect example, the Jennifer Carpenter sequence in Drag Across Concrete. Why is that in the movie? It has the type of irony that, like, I don't know. It's like if if you're like thinking that like Donnie Darko and Fight Club are like mind blowing shit. Maybe yeah, that's, some Doc Saints. that's fair. I don't know. I didn't find the irony really in it. I just kind of looked at it kind of like as you know, this this guy is a I think a figure. I, I have not actually liked his other movies. This is the first one. I mean I didn't dislike Brawl, but it's not like my thing, I wouldn't say. But this so is you hated Bone Tomahawk? Bone Tomahawk was not my thing. I, oh, I really I, love that movie. I really thought it you know, I, I did, you know, like the the random of the violence at the end. I've always liked that about his films, mm-hmm. but it's, I didn't think it was very well directed. But like this movie, I, I don't know, but I, I'm all right with, with kind of the weird structures sometimes and letting things just, letting things just kind of fester, which I don't know. This movie I thought was his best directed for me, but I understand your frustrations with it. I but There's I, some really I, cool things in the movie. I like, enjoyed the movie very much. I do struggle with it because like Mel Gibson's really good in it. I do like um, his use of violence in his films, and I think it's effective in this. I think Vince Vaughn just isn't a good dramatic actor. I I didn't like him in this. It just it made me think of True Detective season two. And well, you know that's one of the, when I was watching that movie, I I, I thought of you because I thought you would not have a good response to his character. <laughs> and like I didn't mind him as much in Brawl and Cell Block because that movie is inherently like goofy. Mm-hmm. but this movie was played like kind of straight up and yeah, I just, yeah, I, I did find this to be his most mature work for me. Um, I, man, the last like 45 minutes I just found completely yeah exciting. And I just, but also I, you know, that's just, unfortunately an hour and a half of movie before that though. Yeah. And, and I didn't mind that. Like <laughs> I, I kind of enjoyed their conversations. They're just random, like, 
racism. Com- yeah, like not that I'm racist. I'm just saying like I enjoy their I'm just, just being snide. just cops being cops. Not all of them, but just a certain you know. Yeah, this it's guy really not PC, right? Which is like that's fine. And this this guy, I mean, the director. We should probably say his name, uh, Craig Zoller. Yes, yeah. um, is kind of known for being. This guy that likes to push boundaries, push buttons a little bit. Um, obviously, I, I don't agree with a lot of what he, much of what he's saying. But again, I kind of looked at, you know, I thought about some of the films we'd watched recently, like Dirty Harry and and Death Wish, while watching this movie, and just mm-hmm. some some of the closeness of their political well, yeah, and he, um, ties with 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 these with those filmmakers. He's definitely trying to recreate like those feelings of like seventies exploitation. Uh-huh, sure. All of his films are very exploitive, you know, things that you discover on VHS. So I I like that the movie exists. Um, I'm all game for more vehicles for Mel Gibson. But yeah, I I, I hope he keeps making movies like that, uh, Zoller. Like, I like his brand of, like, pulp, garbage, art house weirdness. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, all I can say is I, I liked it and I... You know, it was a surprise for me because I was, I wanted to see it just because, you know, a lot of people have been, it's just been in the conversation. I want yeah, to see yeah, it. yeah. And I can't say it was like something I'd just been dying to see, but I watched it and I was very highly surprised that nice. I was liking towards it. Yeah. Um, also, watched John Wick 3. Yeah. Um, greatly enjoyed it. I It's, if you like John Wick 1 and 2, you're going to like John Wick 3. We're not going to talk about story stuff because it's such a new movie. But um, I, I feel like the series, the quality is still there and the craftsmanship is top notch. But I find each movie is less compelling to me. But I don't mean that like in a like I would take a John Wick three over the third sequel or the you know, third movie in any series for any action movie mm-hmm. like the they find very interesting artistic ways for John Wick to dispose of people. <laughs> right. And it's super entertaining and it is well worth a watch. Yeah, I watched it as well and I, I quite enjoyed it as well. So, yeah, it was, it was a good time. Good time at the movies. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. all right, man. Well, are you wanting to get into our topic? Is, is there anything else you want to talk about before? No, that's uh, I'm ready in? if you are. Yeah. Tell me about Panaka. Uh, all right, so Jamafanaka. Um, so first, I feel like I should talk about first thing here is uh, he is from originally from the south. Uh, he and his family moved to Compton uh, when he was, I think, a teenager, early teenager, um, to twelve, somewhere in that area. Um, so he grows up. Uh, he ends up um, going to school at UCLA, and. He becomes a part of what is known as the L.A. Rebellion. Now, okay, so I was doing a little reading on the UCLA thing, and this might just be like urban myth or whatever, but I I feel like I read that he was like hanging out with like some bad kids or something mm-hmm. and was like in the midst of doing a bad thing. Yep. And he saw a person with a flyer advertising UCLA's new film program. Yep. And he took it and was like, well, maybe I'll give that a shot. Yep, that's the story that has uh, gone around, as I've heard as well. So he chose uh, the the he chose film instead of crime, which I think is awesome. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, that's cool. Yes, so he ended up going to UCLA, and 
him and uh, a number of black filmmakers there uh, kind of made this group called the L.A. Rebellion. Um, this was the first generation of students of color at UCLA. Um, a couple of the of other big names that came out of this group would be Charles Burnett, uh, who was there from 67 to 68, or I think when he started. Um, not that he ended there, that's when he started. Uh-huh. Jamal Fanaka, of course, started in 71, and then Larry Clark also started in the early 1970s. These guys all became friends. There were, there were more of them than just those three, but those are the three, you know, I think biggest names. Um, they, they all make films at UCLA, and the, they also, like, made multiple feature links here. So, like, what they did was they put off graduating from UCLA so they could just continue to make films basically for free or for mm-hmm. cheaper amounts of money there. So... By the access mid, to the equipment. Yes. <laughs> By the mid-70s, um, a lot of them had created feature films for the first time outside the studio system. Uh, Jamal Fanaka was born, like I said, I, I, I wrote this down, so I'm sorry. I'm repeating myself in Jackson, Mississippi, 1942. He and his family moved to Compton sometime in his teenage years. Uh, he's from a middle-class family. Uh, they owned a small business. They helped him uh, finance a number of his films as well. Um this we're going to go back a little bit. Just this is a small side note. Um, when after you know before he got into film, he did join the Air Force. Uh, when he gets out, that's when he goes to UCLA as an undergrad. He goes on gets a master's at UCLA in filmmaking. So while he's there, uh, he finishes three feature films and one short film before he graduates. The last film that he made there was Penitentiary, which goes on to make ten million dollars. Very very awesome. So uh, Fanaka didn't like. A lot of people, when they, I think when we when they talk about these films, yeah, black exploitation comes up a lot. He didn't like that term. He thought of his films as anti-black exploitation films and found uh, family and community values much more important in his films, which I saw a lot in these movies. Uh, his films don't have the same surface exploitation of women. There's not as much nudity um, or violence. There are some, obviously. But they kept them more like kind of a minimum while looking at other black exploitation films of that time and period. Fanaka wanted to make popular films. He wanted to make movies for, like for bigger and wider audience. And he was kind of one of the only ones of that L.A. Rebellion group that wanted to do that. Kind of the other filmmakers there were much more interested in art film. Mm-hmm. Where he wanted to make films that could be seen. And he wanted to bring a light to issues that he thought were happening in mm-hmm. you know Compton and, and L.A. at the time. He wanted to make films like that that kind of condemned uh, gang violence and drug use, which I think we see that a lot as well. Uh, his films constantly critique systems in our country, um, like the police, the judiciary system, prisons, and other mostly white systems that keep African-Americans in their place. So that's just kind of a rundown on Panaka. Do you have anything you would like to add? Oh, no, no, no. Um, I mean, all the stuff that I read would just be um, repetitive of what you went over. <laughs> Yeah, I I do think, like, all that stuff's very interesting. One thing of note I'll also add before we get into the the first movie is Charles Burnett. Obviously, they were friends there. Uh, I I believe Burnett, um, this lead us into Brother Charles, I believe he actually uh, shot, uh, he was the one that uh, did the camera work for Brother Charles. Oh, okay. pretty cool. So, and obviously Burnett would go on to make things like, you know, To Sleep With Anger and Killer of Sheep and Mm -hmm. become a pretty big uh, filmmaker. You want to get into it? Yeah. Are you wanting to? You want to go chronological? 
Yeah, so, I thought, let, let's do Brother Charles first. Okay. If you're all right with that. All right, man. So, welcome home, Brother Charles, uh, 1975. And as you were saying, uh, he did this film while in school. Yeah. Right? Yes. So, this was very, very cheaply made. Mm-hmm. It actually, it took them, I think, actual some years to make this movie. Yeah. Um, kind of like an eraser head situation. Yeah. A lot of these movies from, from this group were, you know, shot on locations um, they used a lot of non-professional actors, um, very much cheapest way possible they could go about, you know, making these movies. So just a few more tidbits there. <laughs> um, so do you want to give like opening thoughts or do you just want to get into like an analysis of the film? Yeah, let's let's do some opening thoughts here. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it's sloppy a, a lot of times. You can tell it's a first film. Um, but I really liked it. Um, of course, I, me, I loved the uh, audacity of it. I loved the uh, just him going full on with his ideas that he was going for. I think there's a lot more interesting things to read about the text of the film than maybe the filmmaking itself. But I did uh, enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of good ideas in there. I wasn't the biggest fan of the movie. I mean, the movie's close to two hours long, and I think there's maybe like five to ten minutes of like worthwhile stuff in there. Oh, wow. So, just my feelings. Okay. It's very, very long. All right. That's fair. I enjoyed its longness, but you know. We'll, we'll get into I'm it. I don't want to shit all over it. I think I'm a it. tedious person in life. I mean. <laughs> um, okay. Let, let's get into, because I don't want to like crap all over the film, because there really are things that I do like about it. I just think sure. that. It, not everybody can have, you know, grade A uh, film, you know, out of school. Sure. So this was made in 1975. I'll give you a quick rundown here. This is very quick on uh, on the synopsis here on the Letterboxd. They tried to take everything, even his manhood. After wrongly doing time in prison for murder, a man seeks revenge on a racist law enforcement system and the detective who framed him. That's a bad synopsis. It's very, very Because short. that's not what happens. Yeah, there's a lot more than that. Well, <laughs> we'll get into that in a second. So, the movie has a freaking fire opening. Like, it is fantastic. It opens on this tribal statue with this giant phallus. And yep. the music that's playing is great. And it sets this tone that will, like, as soon as you start the movie, you're just like, hell yes, like, I am down for this. And it, for me, it never matches the intensity of that opening credit scene. Okay, that is fair. But I loved it. Like, I love, like, I, I feel like the statue, if I remember correctly, it's bathed in, like, red lights yeah. with this, like, tribal music mm -hmm. that's, like, building. It's, like, a very ominous. Right. Yeah. Very uh, primal. Yeah. As, as we'll go on to... Throughout the movie, I think the color red becomes more prominent, especially in the second half of the movie. Um, I think to deal with this so-called devilish thing that has happened to him. Um, we will be going into deep spoilers on this, by the way. So everyone who is interested in not knowing much about Brother Charles, uh, you know, be warned. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so yeah, the opening, I'm with you there. As well, uh, this is composed by William Anderson. I believe he uh, does most of Fanaka's films. I really like his music a lot. 
Uh, Isn't there a song used in this that's later used in Penitentiary? Yes, especially in the... Uh, uh, there's. We'll get to this little kind of scene where Brother Charles gets thrown in jail. Uh-huh. And uh, that uh, theme that they use in that is used in Penitentiary. It's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah, <clears throat> we get this. I, I agree. I really like the opening as well. We get some, you know, white cops trying to save a black man's life at the beginning um, <clears throat> from jumping and committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Kind of were just thrown in it. Yep. Uh, we're kind of shown the end first. Right. One of those. The, yes. So the end and, and we kind of see what happens uh, uh, to him at the end there. Uh, the first thing I wrote, this is kind of a funny thing. Uh, you know, when the movie kind of stops from there and gets into it. Uh, we see this community of uh, of people, and we see all these on location. We see a Dee Dee's Hot Dogs, mm-hmm. and I just like the name of that hot dog stand. That's a good hot dog stand it's name. It's fun. We kind of get this, uh, you know, a pimp talking money with his quote-unquote ladies. Oh, I thought you were going to say quote-unquote ho. <laughs> I kind of wish you did. <laughs> I'll pretend that I did. <laughs> uh, and... While that's going on, we have also an older uh, white gentleman looking for some action. Yeah. And while all this is happening, we also, you know, we get a also a white detective. You know, these, these guys are trying to, like, I think they're basically looking for just anybody they can. To yeah. Like just, you know, try to try to take in. And so this white, white detective kind of gets played early on. Um, and he kind of loses his cool. Kicks over a trash can very violently. He's a little mad, a little mm-hmm. ridiculous. And kind of this this opening, you just kind of meet some of these characters you're going to be interacting with. Um, some cops, the, you know, these, these white cops end up arresting a black guy. We kind of have a riot in the street. Yeah, um, sort of. It, it, okay, and that's another thing. With the synopsis, saying he was wrongly committed murder... There is no murder that happens no, to ba- open the film. Basically, he just, from the way I understand it, he gets thrown in jail, I think wrongly, but it's not from murder. I think they're trying to say like he was doing a drug deal, I think almost. But it, it is a little hard to... He is a criminal. He is. He has. He does have a criminal past. That's now, correct. the things that like this guy tries to do to him after arresting him, like that's awful. Right. Mm-hmm. But he is not wrongfully arrested. Yeah, and it it because he's in the act of doing a bad thing because he and his friend do that like plan where it's like, oh shoot, we we got caught, we're gonna split up, right? And one like one way, his friend like way. hurdles over the yeah. cop. My I guess my biggest thing is I never really fully understood what, and this is you know just a this is this is an issue on the film, but like I never really understood what they did or why they were. Why they were being chased or why they got into the situation they did, you know. Yeah. I did have a little bit of an issue trying to understand that mm-hmm. that part there. But anyway, kind of a little bit of a scuffle happens. Um, there's, you know, some... All the people that are kind of around that area kind of yell at the policemen. And there's a little bit of pushing, shoving, fighting going on. And anyway, what we find out to be Charles gets arrested and yeah. taken into the police car. Basically, what happens from here is we get a situation where one of the white cops is very mad, mm-hmm. um, has a temper problem, and he's, he's just had a bad day, and he wants to make someone pay for it, and Charles is the target. Well, I think there's a deeper 
meaning behind all the stuff that he does. Well, yes, and we'll get to that too because this that's yes, I think we have the same reading but of the film. But here's the but, thing, you are speaking chronologically, which I think is interesting in that everything I have written down as far as characters go is assumptions because they do not tell us who's who. Sure. Like you said what we find out to be Charles, like that is our protagonist. Mm-hmm. And we, like, his name, I don't even think is spoken. Right. Yeah. It's about, like, we don't... Probably really... halfway through the film. Probably when he gets home from prison. When he meets his family, probably, for the first time. Maybe mm-hmm. in that area, I would say. And, like, the, the cops, there's not really a... Mm-hmm. It, it's like good cop, bad cop. Right. There's not really much differing mm-hmm. them up until, you know, later on to the point to where maybe you should have already established who your characters are. That's, that's just me. That's fair. Just yeah. me. I did not have an issue with it, but I definitely understand your point for sure. <laughs> so this this cop basically tries to cut off uh, Charles's penis. Yeah, castrate him. Yeah. From what we understand, he doesn't do it. He doesn't finish the job. Which, <laughs> which is weird. I actually thought he did until yeah. later in the movie. When Charles actually, you know, there's yeah, a so whole scene. They he... don't show you what happens, and they don't tell you what happens. So you're really operating off of assumptions sure. that aren't really answered till like an hour later. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, yes. Basically, when this happens, uh, the cop is, is just, just kind of just losing it. He tells him, uh, I'm going to cut... This off, so more no more like him can come in the unsuspecting world. So, basically, systematic he, racism. He just he's he's an awful guy. Yeah, wants to end the, I guess the black race. Well, he's got a personal beef. <laughs> he does have a personal beef. Uh, do you want to get into that because the film kind of cuts away from Charles after this, and it goes right into like this cops yeah so this is actually this was one of my favorite scenes in the movie right here um we get a scene um we find out you know charles gets taken in that's done um the police officer uh finds out that um there's a bomb that he needs to um uh defuse oh my god (laughs) this scene this is like if a high school student was filming like what they thought a nuclear device would look like in a suitcase <laughs> and they had one friend available to film the scene. Sure. Just uh he, he's he's diffusing this this just little case. Like yeah. why <laughs> why is it just a normal like whatever type of cop this is, it is not a cop that is going to disarm nuclear weapons in suitcases. Yeah. Why is the suitcase just out in the open? Why is he the only one there? It it's very juvenile. Yeah, yep. So he's uh, disarming this bomb. Um, this is I, I enjoy this a lot because I I think it has some some really good. Um, Did you laugh? Is that or is this high drama? I, I mean, it wasn't high drama, but I liked what it was doing with the editing. So obviously, we get intersecting editing with with this going on at the same time, while uh, his wife we come to find yeah, out cheating on him is cheating on him with a black man. Uh huh. And. While he is trying to defuse the bomb, she and him are in having intercourse back and forth 
going here. As one does. And as he diffuses the bomb, that is when, of course, uh, the man... Yeah. And, I don't know, maybe both of them, I can't, you know... Maybe, I'd like to think he's a generous lover. They both achieve orgasm during sure. the bomb. So, <laughs> so we come to find out that, uh, you know, he is even in a, he, a more upset mood because not only is his wife cheating on him, but she is also cheating on him with a black man. Well, and he was exposed to, like, radiation in the suitcase. That's right. Yes. A, at an airport, airport. maybe? Yeah. Who freaking knows? Yep. Yes. So, you know, rough go. Um, I enjoyed that scene. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't buy the suitcase thing. That was silly. That's like, you know, student films. Fair enough. So, are we come to find out the white, the white cop's name is Harry. Uh, after this, um, he has a, like you said, a checkup for radiation after he defuses the bomb. Uh, his wife comes to check on him. His wife's name is Christine. And we find out, obviously, that Christine was the white woman having sex with the black guy during the bomb sequence. Harry tells her the only thing worse than rape is a wife who cheats on her man with a black man. Well, that's kind of gross. Pretty messed up. Uh, kind of Harry loses his mind. Christine tells him... Uh, uh, did she make fun of his dick? She did. That he's very yeah, small. Yeah. So yeah, funny. Size does matter. She tells him he is bad in bed and has a little shriveled up thing down below. Yeah, which brings it back to like this uh, this hatred that he has, this racism. Um, which I don't know if that's good or not to explain that away, but yep, that's why uh, I think he tries to cut Charles, you know, penis off. Yeah. So. The white guy, you know, he he loses it. He chokes her out. Something I almost did kills like her. She passes out when she comes to. She makes fun of him because he can't. He's not even strong enough to kill her. That's true. I did like that. I thought that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> I, I liked her performance there. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. So, basically, um. After all this happens, uh, we get kind of a, a scene where a courtroom scene after uh -huh. this, and Charles is on uh, the stand, and basically we find out the judge is the white guy from the beginning of the film who was looking to get some action. Yeah. So just kind of everybody's a little corrupt right now. Mm -hmm. um, basically, Charles gets sentenced to prison. Um, uh they say that they t um, he goes to trial against the man he um, or Henry goes up there. I'm sorry, on trial against the man he took and claims he hit a person with a brick. Yeah, he's saying that like because Henry before he castrates or tries to castrate Charles, mm -hmm. he hits his partner, and the whole story was all this like Charles is who hit his partner, and he was trying to save his partner's life. His partner doesn't die. So, you know, bad job, film app for your yep. synopsis. Yeah, that's true. Uh, bad job by you. Yeah, bad job. He's called a devil, and the black man, which we find out is Charles, loses his cool at court. They have to restrain him, so he gets put in jail. Um, and this is one of my, another one of my favorite moments of the film is uh, this sequence uh, that uh, 
when Charles gets put in jail, we get this tracking shot of the jail's corridor, a shot in black and white with this crazy, uh, again, kind of, um, oh, just this music that's very tribal, again, yeah. sounding. Um, I really like this scene a lot. Uh, there's some still shots of him in jail, all in black and white, just of him losing his mind, uh, sh- a shot like a lucid dream with a just this chaotic score underneath. Now, what'd you think of this scene? Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> I'm torn because I I do like it for the reasons you said. Like, I like that style. I like the music. But I dislike it in... This is our only thing that we see about, like, Charles in prison, right? Mm-hmm. And from my understanding, aren't we led to believe that he is, like, experimented on and... Like, they do things to him to make him the way he is by the end of the film? No. Well, I swear I read that. My my take of it is that um, he was exposed to radiation okay. from the cop. And when he well, tried to cut his penis off. So, okay. So you're suggesting that all the stuff with the cop and the cheating and the suitcase... Was a flashback? Yes. Now, again, I can't prove that. That's just a reading uh-huh. that I have. Because to me, it, it, just thinking about it logically, the film does, doesn't does do you favors in no, showing No, logically, right. your thought mm-hmm. does make sense. Yeah. So that's just what how I, how I am going about it, is because the time frame of it, that would make the most sense to me. So right. again, I'm not saying the film makes it easy for you to get that. That's just the way I'm going to roll with it. <laughs> so, just so the people out there know, this film would probably be more coherent if Nolan edited it. Right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm being honest. Sure. So, yeah, that that's how I read it, is that, and so, from him, the cop doing that to him. Yeah, that those placement of scenes makes more sense. Sure. But I swear to Christ on one of the, mm-hmm. like, things that I read... About, like, a detailing of what the film was, like, after I watched it, Mm -hmm. was he was operating, like, I feel like I read in multiple places, like, the trivia stuff on whatnot, that, like, he supposedly was a science experiment, like Luke Cage or something in prison. And that's, that is fair. I did not read it that way, but I wouldn't, you know, I I prefer that, because that makes way more sense. Sure. So, but they they don't tell it right. You just kind of have to make your own assumption. <laughs> yes. So, again, yeah, I, I took it that way, and and the radiation um, messed him up, messes him up down below, and you know he ends up getting a monster penis. That's not revealed till way way later. Way later. This is right because this is um. Yep. This feels like Gone with the Wind in length. I did not feel this way, but it's fine. The length of the film is matched by Charles's length in his pants. <laughs> okay. Time- we, we can continue. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know that my next note is boring. Okay. <laughs> and that covers the next 45 minutes of the film for me. Fair enough. Time passes. He gets released from jail. Um, 
he gets we see him go home to his family. Um, we see this montage, um, kind of the score changes some to a chilled out, relaxed form after he's released from jail. We get a montage of ain't nothing but junkies and pimps. Uh, we find out, uh, at this point we find out his name is Charles, which we've said already. Um, <laughs> uh, Charles says that, uh, his days of pushing dope are done. Uh, he's going to try a life of not crime now. Um, he finds out uh, his he had a girl and she left him. She goes like he goes over to his her mom's house. She's gone, um, and we find out that he she is hooked up with his best friend ND, who he was hanging out with early in the movie. Who's taking his turf? Yeah, he's basically like kind of just in charge. This this drug drug dude and yeah, getting all the ladies and all the probably it seems like he's just a a player and living it up at these clubs and bars, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, we find out Charles was in jail for three years. Um, Indy's... So he goes to this, like, kind of bar. Um, he goes to... Still looking for the lady he was with. We find out her name was Twyla. And we find out that Indy is there. He has a conversation with him. Indy's men throw Charles out of their club, and they kind of beat him up. And Charles goes home again, and we get this, uh, you know, scene of, like, you just, you know, see him trying to get calmed down by his family. And, uh, you know, it's not going too well for him, basically. Or the viewer. This viewer is enjoying it a lot. Okay, so, after this, uh, there's a club scene. Um, this is where I started noticing the color red quite a bit. Um, Charles is in this really nice fly red jacket. Um you know, Charles goes and gets checked out at the doctor because after the club scene goes to the doctor, he's not feeling right. Obviously, something's happened down down below. Mm-hmm. Doctor suggests Charles go to a psychiatrist. Uh, Charles sees, uh, during this time, he sees the cop that kind of busted him on TV for a, for a marijuana bust that we find out. Charles goes and seduces uh, Mrs. Freeman, the cop's wife. Hold on. You're skipping a very significant portion. Okay. Doesn't he start up a new romance with... Yes, he does. With the hoe... Yep. ...that was trying to hook up with the judge, but she stood up for him while the cop was beating him. Yep, and she was there during the whole scene at the beginning. Yeah, doesn't Mm -hmm. this uh, romance take like a half hour? I would say 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, So, uh, doctor suggests Carl's... You know, I went over all that. Um, Which... By the way, proper love and respect, uh, Charles, played by Marlo Monte. Yes, very good. Yeah, we haven't really said actors' names in this movie. I apologize Not for that. Not that it's important. I mean, they didn't name their characters till now we're in. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Continue. Okay, uh, so... Uh, we, we get this uh, scene where, you know, Charles uh, uh, ends up seducing... Uh, Henry's wife, uh, Mrs. Freeman, um, she becomes lethargic. This is kind of our first scene where we figure out something is going on with Charles. It's got that King Cobra power. And uh, she becomes lethargic and seems to be under a spell from Charles at this point. And Charles kind of basically makes her go in when her husband gets home from work, makes her go and kill him from what I gathered. 
Does well, he not? I or think does he Charles just, kill him? One Charles, of the, Charles goes him. in the room and kills him. I'm sorry. He yes. makes all the ladies like go away. Right, that's right. So Charles kills the cop. My bad. I have some logistic questions here. Okay. So he has this magnificently large dick that he's strangling people with. And we say magnif- magnificently large. This thing is like mm-hmm. 30 foot long. Sure. How is he seducing the women beforehand? Is it like a Mr. Fantastic dick? Does it extend and, you know, shrink back, you know, at his, you know, leisure, at his command? How does this giant monster dick work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happens if while it's like wrapped around someone's throat like a tube, what if he gets an erection? Yeah, that's that's a rough go. <laughs> a lot of questions. No. You know? No fulfilling answers. I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, he, he gets revenge on the cop and it it's kind of like, it's not even, pre- you would think like that's the character that's presented as like the main heel of the movie. And the movie doesn't play it that way. Yeah. Like, the cop is, like, the first one to get it. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> he did. He bought it. For, and it's really, it's off screen, too. Yeah, they don't show anything until a little later on. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh. So, after this scene, uh, we kind of see some more stuff with Charles and his new lady. Um. She gets him a red outfit, a nice red suit. Um. They have sex on a red backdrop in the scene. Uh, so after this happens, next, uh, Charles seduces another white woman, mm-hmm. and this time it is Henry's partner, the other cop, his wife, uh-huh. this time. And this is kind of the big, if you want to call it, uh, scene where we actually see the penis. Wait a minute. Is it the cop or is it the lawyer? Yeah, it might be the lawyer. Because I think the cop's there at the end of the movie. Okay. I think the cop... Doesn't he show up to save the judge at the end? Isn't he with them? And he's like on the rooftop? It, well, and that, that might have been a different set of cops. I I was thinking, maybe I'm wrong. Because I thought the lawyer was... Because like, the lawyer has like that big spiel yeah. about yeah, that, him. And I thought he went after the lawyer next. Maybe that is the lawyer. It's a dude with... It's a white man with a mustache. That's about all I <laughs> Yeah, cop, that. cop doesn't have a mustache. Okay, so it is a lawyer then. My bad, my mistake. Uh, so It's he, not your fault. He, he seduces uh, his wife, and this is where we see that Charles has a monster penis, and it strangles the poli- the lawyer. That's a great reveal, by the way. It is. It's pretty awesome. I love how it's shot. It is giant. I've got big dick murder is cool. That's one of my notes. Yep. Um. So yeah, this happens, and so Charles is just on the spree, so he's ready for another, you know, he's going to take down another person that kind of wronged him. So Charles goes to the house of the judge and his wife, who they are also both white. Um, At this point, he tries to do his same thing again, and Charles gets found out this time um, from the cop that you talked about. Uh, He gets chased down, so we have kind of this chase that's going. Uh He climbs the top of an apartment building. He tells them he will jump if he has to. And this is kind of where we get the kind of the the beginning turns into the end here. Can we go back a bit? Sure. I I do think the film does a good job in passing out like condemnation to like people who might not be viewed inherently bad, like the judge. Um, Because while Charles is talking to him, it's like, you know, you 
you as a judge, like, you're going to condemn people that you know didn't do stuff that, you know, claim that they did. And, like, you are out on the streets, like, committing crimes yourself. Sure. But you're passing out judgment. Right. I thought that that was kind of, like, some inter- interesting text to the film. Yeah. I, I, I think, um, like we kind of said at the beginning, I, I don't... I don't think he necessarily is just straight up condemning anyone here. Now, obviously, there's some big issues with systems and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, uh, we get we get this end here. Um, the cop tells him, you know, climb off, climb off the, you know, the top there. He, he says not to jump. Um, during this time, uh, they bring his girlfriend up. They find her. We kind of get um, what was happening at the beginning there. And we think that she's going to tell him, you know, to jump down and all this. And basically, you know, she instead yells at him to jump. And that is where the film ends. Yep. Freeze frame. Uh, It's a very shocking ending and very satisfying. It's uh, I, I think the ending is fantastic. Like outside of the opening credits, like that line from her is my favorite part in the film. Yeah, and we get this quote at the end. It says, let them indulge their pride of thinking I am destroyed is a comfort to them. Let it be. So, that is the end of Brother Charles. Um, I will say this, um, kind of my end thoughts on the film. Here, sorry. Uh, Brother Charles, you know, we talked about this a little bit. Um, It's basically a, a, a movie, like, like, it's a... The movie plays with the trope that all African-American men or black men have huge penises and thus white males are threatened because they are afraid that white women will essentially choose African-American men over them. The film becomes a parody of that stereotype. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does play on like masculinity and perceived masculinity, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think he does in all of his films that I have seen. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen the two, but yeah, Penitentiary delves in that too. Um, man, my biggest issue with the film is I think it's just too long, and I think that it lacks the intensity that was promised by that fantastic opening. Um, I mean, honestly, an hour of this film is a domestic drama. Yeah. If I told you that, like, the logline for this movie is a man wrongfully, like, convicted, you know, in prison, um, goes out and seeks revenge with like his giant phallus or whatever like that's your log like like that's the movie and you don't even get to that until the last 15 minutes of the movie sure i it's just i don't know i guess i was i think i was just wanting something more from the movie and i found what i got to be boring on the whole Mm -hmm. uh it's not something i would care to revisit i thought that a lot it just really needed editing and like if you're going to do something so audacious like just jump in like give me more of that like just having it to one like sequence it's i don't know i i found it a little underwhelming that's fair uh, i enjoyed the movie quite a bit um there are plenty of issues with it i had i gave it i didn't give it like you know i gave it 3 stars there were a lot i enjoyed about it i did you know it is a first film I found there, you know, there's definitely some sloppy filmmaking, sloppy editing, sloppy storytelling. Um, but 
I, overall, I, I really enjoyed the experience. I didn't mind the drama stuff. I found the characters interesting to be around. Um, and I, I just, I really loved uh, what he was going for and, and how he went about it. So, you know, for a first film, for someone who had no budget, I, I dug what he was doing. Yeah. You know, Eraserhead was a first film. Well, not all of us can be David Lynch. That's true. Or Cronenberg. So, or Carpenter. I'm just being a shit. You are being a shit. No, I. he obviously has things to say. I just didn't love the way he said them. That's fair. All right. Well, we're going to move to the second film here. Yes. And the second movie we're going to be covering now is, this is, uh, would go on to be Fanaka's, uh, I believe his fourth film, if I remember right. And this is Penitentiary. His most successful film. From 1979. Uh, this movie, uh, if I can get the pull up here, uh, this stars uh, Wilbur Hi-Fi White, Leon Isaac Kennedy, and Tommy Pollard, to name a few. Yeah, uh, uh, Leon Isaac Kennedy uh, plays the uh, main character. Um, was it Martell? Yes. Uh, so I'm going to give a quick synopsis here of Penitentiary. Uh, there's only one way out and a hundred fools stand in the way. A hitchhiker named Martel Gordon gets in a fight with two bikers over a prostitute and one of the bikers is killed. Gordon is arrested and sent to prison where he joins the prison's boxing team in an effort to secure an early parole and to establish his dominance over the prison's toughest gang. So that's Penitentiary. Initial thoughts on Penitentiary. Stacey. I found this film to be much more interesting than Brother Charles. Um, and just from, I'm guessing from the timeline, there are films that have, have explored like similar themes and stuff um, that this film does. But the fighting in prison movie is a subgenre all of its own. And I have to imagine this is one of the first examples of that. I I can't think of anything before it. Can you? No, probably not. I mean, there there might be, but I I mean, we're still getting. I mean, the undisputed films they make those direct to DVD now. They do like MMA tournaments in prison. And yep. We got uh, last year that art house film that uh, Prayer Before Dawn about the the British or the Irish or whatever guy mm -hmm. that's in Thailand. Okay. Um, and a lot of this. There is some uh, basis in reality for this. Uh, you have their world champion prize fighters who became prize fighters because of this type of system. Uh, you know, Sonny Liston, uh, he started out in prison boxing. Uh, so did Ron Lyle. Um, both of these, you know, I mean, Sonny Liston was considered, you know, up until Ali, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time mm -hmm. uh, on unbeatable and Ron Lyle he was during that time of you know the mid 70s where you know you had so many great heavyweights uh you know had a couple matches with Ali a couple matches with uh Foreman you know so great fighters you know are coming out of that system and I I think it's interesting to make a movie about it and obviously it hit a chord with audiences they made two sequels to this film and we've had prison fighting movies ever since yeah. All right. Uh, I quite enjoyed this movie, like, very much. Uh, I, you know, it has a lot to unpack in the text, kind of like Charles, I think it has a little more even. Um, 
a lot of like included here is like the mixing of masculinity and homoerotic sexuality. This is exciting filmmaking. Uh, his direction has an exuberant purpose through his rhythms and packed in spaces that create pure mach machismo by way of a forced reckoning. That's what I wrote in my review. I loved this movie so much. <laughs> yeah, I I liked it. I, I think it's very sloppy and, you know, there are things that don't work for me, but I think it's an interesting film and there's a lot more going for it for me. Okay. So, uh, let's kind of just start off here. What, uh, you want to just go for it here? Yeah, let's, let's do. So we kind of meet our, uh, you know, so-called protagonist here early on. Um, he's hitchhiking. Um, we get a lady that picks him up. Uh, we see a couple of like, uh, white guys riding dirt bikes around in the area. Um, we have like kind of this weird look of like this, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Like it, it usually don't see like uh, a lady picking up a guy. It's usually the other way around. So kind oh, of a little yeah. bit of a switch of reversal there, which, uh -huh. which I quite like. Yeah. So there. from my, from my understanding, she had like a CB radio mm -hmm. and just travels the roads and meets up with guys for money. Yep. Basically. Yep. We get during these early scenes, we hear from the radio that there are two prisons in the area, one for ladies, one for gentlemen. So that's kind of uh, a thing on its own that will come into play. Um, so she basically picks him up. They end up uh, going to this diner. Mm -hmm. um, they stop by. The two guys that were riding the dirt bikes are in the diner. Um, they start harassing them. And we get like this kind of a bar fight scene, in, in, in except it's in a diner. And basically, um, you know, our main character, I've already forgot his name in the... Martel, too sweet. Too sweet, thank you. Uh, too sweet, you know, kind of busts him up pretty good, but he also gets busted up uh -huh. in the process, and I think he gets knocked out, if I remember right. Yeah, it again with his like uh, storytelling, they don't tell you what happens until an hour after the fact. All you, right, you just it cuts to him going to jail. So he goes to jail. Um, I love the opening of this jail scene. Uh, we see a guy. One of the first guys walk in has a cigarette in his ear. Yeah, I love that shot, dude. Great and stuff. I, yeah, I love everything about that open. It's very good. Yep. Yeah, uh, we get a we we see another man with a gorilla figure, and sh he has shaving cream all on his beard. Um, he starts playing a bit because there's a another a new guy before Too Sweet that has recently been put into the prison there, and they start Eugene. Uh, Eugene, yes, and so they basically you know start hazing him in a sort of way. Um, so this guy with the beard uh, comes in and basically says, is making um, guys like show him their ass um, because his story was that he caught one a man, a man in there cheating on him or cheating on, yes, the lady cheating on him. And the lady she cheated on him with had a scar on his butt cheek. And so the thing is, is he's trying to make all of them show them his butt, their butt cheeks. Yeah. So he wants to find that scar and he gets to Eugene and basically, you know, giving him a very hard time about yeah. it. And because what happened was 
is we come to find out, like, what he says is he took a bite of that guy's ass to give him the scar. Mm -hmm. And so he's, you know, it's a whole thing. But it's kind of fun. Um, And, you know, what happens is, uh, you know, they they give the guy a hard time. It's it's a fun little scene. So all that happens at the beginning. And then we kind of flash forward and we get six months later after the scene. So we've kind of met some of our players in the prison that we're going to be spending a lot of time with in the film. And... At this moment, um, we see that, um, you know, Sweet has been put in jail, put in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this opening scene, Johnson, we meet him. Um, he is oiling up before a workout in this jail cell that they're in together. And he basically mentions something about a boxing tournament coming up. And he asks Sweet, you box? And he says, hell no. Half dead. Don't box. I kill. Mm. That was a really good line. And you have anything you want to point out during all this? Uh, no, I. No, the thing after that I I really enjoyed uh, when they're walking through the yard after uh, Two Sweets' introduction to all the prison people. Yep. Uh, you have the band playing. Yep. In the yard, I musical thought that was really cool. As a prison scene, and yep. And, and it's uh, it's very fourth wall breaking. Mm-hmm. Like they, um, I believe they're playing up to the camera, and it's all diegetic, and it's uh, it's a pretty cool scene. Yeah, it's I love that stuff a lot too. Um. Basically, Eugene, this time, uh, gets harassed again, but it's not for fun. Um, We see one of the characters tell him that he basically needs to sit down when he pees. And... Oh, yeah. He basically gets beat up because he didn't sit down when he pees. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is at the moment I wrote down also, uh, during this time period in the film, we get the musical cue as the same musical cue that's used in the prison scene in brother Charles. So Mm -hmm. that comes back up pretty cool. Um, uh, we meet half dead, uh, who we turns out, I think is the dude that had the shaving cream on his beard earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, and he basically wants to make too sweet his bitch. Yeah. Um, just to get into some of the relationship dynamics, um, the main antagonist of the film, um, that is Eugene's like Jesse. Yeah. Master or, you know, Eugene is his bitch. Yeah. And his name is Jesse. He is kind of just this, like everybody's kind of like timid of him, scared of him. Yeah. He's kind of made his mark as like, you know, the top dog here at this point. After watching these guys fight, I don't know why anybody would be scared of anyone. Very good. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we get this scene with, with uh, you know, Half Dead and, and Too Sweet. And basically, you know, he wants, he, he tells his guys that, you know, he's going to make Too Sweet his bitch. And, you know, in a sexual way as well. And Too Sweet doesn't stand for it. They yeah, get into like, a big brawl in their prison. So yeah, they, they kind of do it as this, like, he's going to break them in because, like, they have their own, like, prison gang thing going on mm-hmm. to where it seems like they pass these young men around. Yep. And, yeah, like you said, Half Dead, like, ro- offers to room up with him so he can, like, break him in. And doesn't he start, like, being, like, nice and offering him, like, good bars yeah, and good bars. porn yep. and shit? <laughs> yep. And then, like, trying to sweeten him up there. And then, you know... Too sweet, doesn't get in, you know, he's not having it. And so they basically get into a big brawl in their mm-hmm. prison, in their cell, which I quite like this whole scene. Yeah, it, 
actually, it's probably the best fight scene in the movie. Yeah, um, it's, it's really well done. Yeah, it, it it's all right. Uh, so, tells Too Sweet uh, that, uh, you know, during all this, that, uh, you know, if... if Actually, we went over that. I don't need to talk about that. Okay, let's move on. So, after sure. that... Um, we meet a white police officer who ends up being the lieutenant of kind of... The, the warden. Yes, the warden of the prison. Um, and we find out, like, he is in charge of prison fighting mm-hmm. there. Um, he's basically got, I think it's a brother-in-law who... Yeah, works at, like, the DAs or something. Right. To, like, he can, like, lessen their sentences. Yes. Yeah. so he tells the guys, you know, if, you know, depending on how well you do or if you win the matches or, if, you know, you you become the champ... There's a good chance you might get out on parole and, you know, get out of here earlier than what you should. So they- what it, What do you think of this, like, this idea, this concept that, like, is it kind of horrifying that this was still a thing? Like, I don't know if this is still a thing, but in the 60s and 70s it was because yeah. of these championship boxers right. that started that way. But it, it, like, harkens back to, you know, more immediately you know, um, within the last, you know, hundred years, you know, when this film was made to, you know, like Mandingos Mm -hmm. and like during like slave ownership and the movie does talk about, you know, the ownership of people, um, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing people as items. And I mean, this idea about fighting for your freedom goes back all the way to, you know, the Coliseums and gladiators and such. Right. Um, what, what do you think, do you think he's trying to say anything about maybe how it's kind of sad that like we haven't changed as a society? Yeah, again, I, I mean, sure. You I know, you you look at ancient Rome; it's you know yeah. thousands of years in yeah. between, and we still have a rudimentary system yeah. for that. Again, like we talked about earlier, I think again it's just him commenting on 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 our systems and how messed up they are. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if again, like in this film, like you talked about a little bit in the Judge and Brother Charles. You know, the, the police officer, the warden here, he's not really looked at as someone who does anything awful. No, as, he's not a villain. As in, in just, film. you know, being in charge of a prison rank, you know, or boxing rank. Yeah. But, you know, people, they all seem to like him enough. Like, yeah, he, he never, doesn't do anything he bad in the is, movie. Right. He's never aggressive he's with never anyone. never shown as a villain. Right. And so, uh, you know, I think that goes along with kind of Fanaka's viewpoints of like, just because, you know, he, he didn't have it out for you know, just a white person being white, it's their systems that they are a part of. And it seems like a lot of the, you know, it it is condemning the, the prison system. Uh, I do believe that at the time that this film was made, like, I think it was like some statistic where like the population of America was 12% uh, African American yet. um, I think it was like 50% was incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Um, So yeah, the, the, commentary on the systems and also on i think he condemns you know the these other characters uh like half dead and right. uh what you said jesse jesse mm-hmm. um yep. you know like why are they instead of joining together right. to like survive the system yep. uh they see each other as items as things that they can own yep. and try to exert power over one another yeah when maybe they should be joining up. Right. And again, like, this this movie does a very good job as well. Again, as, you know, it uses the prisons that they're all in as another communal 
uh, experience as well. And we see, you know, the good, the good side and bad side of, you know, people being in a space together. What do you think about, um, and I don't know if this is something that you had noted for later on, but I noticed that there's a lot of like off color comedy in his film, a lot of slapstick in this movie. What do you think about these antagonists? Because a lot of them have kind of charming mm-hmm. moments where, like, they're kind of likable mm-hmm. at times. Sure. Like, how do you feel about, like, his portrayal of antagonists? Like, does does the comedy, does the, the warm moments with them work for you? And, like, how does that build on... And we'll get to this later, but the end, um, after a lot of those warm-hearted moments... The end almost kind of feels abrupt and out of character. That's, I don't know. I, I didn't, I think we had like, I don't know. I Like there are moments of, of, of funniness. I just, I didn't laugh very much while watching it. I don't know. What about, okay. Um, this is jumping ahead quite a bit, but the, when Half Dead and Eugene are fighting and like, I think Half Dead beats him, but Eugene is so pumped that they just had this fight and he's like exerting this masculinity and he's Mm -hmm. so pumped about, you know, everything he's doing in the movie. You know, they have that warm moment where like Eugene just comes up to him and hugs him Mm -hmm. and like they're just like tapping on each other and like Half Dead like plays into it. It's like, yeah, this guy's good. Mm -hmm. We're good. Yeah. No, it's like moments like that. Yeah. They're pretty common in the film. Sure. Well, yeah. I guess, it doesn't really paint the villains, you know, black and white. It's uh, yeah, I, which is kind of a contrast for the third act. We can get to it in a bit. I know we're I, building to sure. this. We haven't even gotten to the fighting yet. Um. So, which I okay. Um. Yeah. So at this point, I kind of wrote down like what I talked about earlier, like kind of all this stuff. Like you start seeing what kind of like what he's going for, like this mix of masculinity and, and homoerotic sexuality. We meet, we actually meet some cross-dressing, uh, uh, inmates. Um, and we have a sequence where like we have a transsexual dream sequence where one of the fighters gets knocked out. Um, and when he gets knocked out, um, he <laughs> has this dream sequence of another man who is in, you know, a dress and, and makeup and everything. <laughs> I really like oh, that scene. I think we skipped over it. Um, cause I think I interrupted you while you were explaining the warden. So they introduced the idea that, um, they're going to have a boxing tournament, um, within the prison. And if you win the tournament, you have a chance to win your freedom. Right. So you can fight in the outside world. Yep. And, uh, too sweet is trained by, uh, this, elder statesman named Jackson who had Mm -hmm. been training fighters, but it seems like he lost like himself. But then like, I guess just recently he took up an interest again into fighting. Seldom Jackson. So he, uh, is mentoring too sweet Mm -hmm. and, uh, Eugene. Yep. That's right. And that's kind of their little fight club and their, uh, and I, I believe men from other prisons are introduced into the, yep. the fights. So, yeah, they, they bring them to their... I believe it's their prison that they all bring them to. Yeah. They also let... their Like we talked about earlier, there's a prison next door with women. Uh-huh. They let them come and watch the fights as well. Yeah, to, to like, get the men going. Uh-huh. Which um, there's some really funny slapstick moments of, like, 
uh, a reoccurring joke where this prisoner goes to the restroom and he hides in the rafters to wait for a lady to go pee and he'll jump down and then like he starts a romance this way yeah with a woman and it, it's kind of funny yeah uh, I, I like that stuff a lot it's not played sinister at all no and so like at first you kind of like a little worried about it because he looks like he might be a little rapey like because he just walks in well, yeah. while she's in the bathroom. But they're both down. But she, you know, obviously they both have the hunger. Uh-huh. The sexual hunger. And, yeah, they... Hungry eyes. They have a little uh, fling. Uh, another, I like, again, I, I kind of like what he did with this segment here. He has, like, uh, kind of like with Charles, he has a um, intersecting uh, editing sequence here with, with boxing going on, while also um, this lady and guy having sex in a bathroom next door to the ring and that kind of goes on during the match so that was a fun but yeah i mean yeah, you could thematically there. tie those things together right um so like i said the lady prisoners they're also uh watching the guy's box um i wrote down the film does a good job showing the desire of the opposite sex when all you are surrounded by is your own mm-hmm. and i i enjoyed that um anything you want to add right now uh no did we get to have we gotten to the point where we find out what happened to Too Sweet to get him to prison? Uh, no, we have not got to that. Is point that in your yet. notes? I believe it is. Okay. Um, I will say I thought the fighting is very badly filmed. If you are, if you are going into this film, and the film sells itself as like a hardcore fight movie, um, I believe like the tagline is like something to do with like the most realistic, you know, vicious. No worries there. It Go might be it. on. Do you have the movie with you? Mm -hmm. I swear it's on the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, anyways, I think I, yeah, gritty, violent, maddeningly entertaining. Um, there's things said about this film talking about how like realistic it is and everything. And the fight film, like the fight segments are kind of played for laughs mostly. And the ones that are serious are really bad. It, it looks like they just took guys who've never ever fought in their lives and gave them giant boxing gloves and said, go punch each other because it is kind of like watching kids box. Um, especially like the Eugene stuff, like, I think at one time he's just like, like a kangaroo, you know, like a rock'em sock'em robot, um, just throwing things in there. It, if you are watching this movie to find satisfying fight scenes, this is not the movie for you. And I will agree with that, but I guess for me, what I found the boxing to be secondary in the film. I will agree that I don't think any of them are particularly greatly shot. But I didn't have a problem with it. I was enjoying the text that was happening so much in the film. And I wouldn't even bring it up other than the fact that, like, the movie's sold as a fighting in prison film. And, like, the main image you see is a man looking like Sugar Ray Leonard on the front cover behind bars with boxing gloves on. You're ready for better fights. Yeah. Um. So that's the only reason I say that. Also, the boxing matches... Um, unlike the, you know, revenge murder scenes from Brother Charles, the boxing matches actually take up a significant amount of screen time. Um, I would say a good third of this movie is a boxing movie, wouldn't you? 
like yeah, as far as like time there. spent in the sure. ring and like training scenes Especially and everything. Yeah, so uh, for the fights to not be shot as well, or let alone like people not having any clue how to throw a punch or, and it, it's not in the, like the same silly like B movie way that like the early Rocky movies are. It's just like these dudes, like it's like if you gave a little kid boxing gloves. That's fair. Uh, it didn't bother me as bad, but I understand where you're coming from, for sure. Um, anything else on that? No, I, I just, I was surprised by the comedy, and I really enjoyed a lot of the comedic moments. It's it's weird, like, this film's kind of all over the place in tone, because it's, like, a, a serious um, social commentary on, like, the prison, like, system, but it's also a slapstick comedy, and it's also you know, a fight film. And I don't think it does anything extremely well, but I, I appreciate everything that it's trying to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you, you can't help the way you feel about the film. Like I, I thought the comedy was fun and surprising. That's fair. Uh, so kind of all after these sequences here, um, we meet the Lieutenant's brother or brother-in-law. He comes to watch the fights that they have set up. Um, during this time, we get our kind of a second bathroom scene, which I really enjoyed this a lot as well, because this time uh, the man was actually using the bathroom. Uh-huh. And this time we find out the lady's name was Peaches, and she actually is the one that kind of storms him this time. Yeah, so gender reversal. A very fun little reverse there, which I think the film really plays well with all that. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, this time, you know, like I said, she comes in there. She makes the move this time. I wrote that, it, you know, quite progressive for the time. Uh, after this scene, uh, this is kind of where we get, uh, Eugene's match. Uh, he gets knocked out, crowd goes crazy, uh, but he's feeling pretty great because he's, he's yeah. had his time in the ring. Uh, after this, you know, Eugene actually stands up to Jesse for the first time, um, telling him he ain't scared no more. Uh, we get, so... This is kind of what you were talking about earlier. This is the lead up to where we find out what actually happened to Too Sweet uh-huh. at the beginning of the movie. So we kind of talked about, you know, that he get got in a bar fight. But after that, we don't really know why he got so thrown into prison. So he wins some boxing matches. Yep. And he gets to have... Um, so for winning, they trade sex for wins. Yep. If you get wins, you get private time in the yard with a lady. And... He gets, like, hooked up with the girl. I guess they just call her in because she's a prostitute. So she's got her van in, and he hooks up with the girl from the beginning of the film. And then he finds out what happens. Um, She ended up murdering one of the bikers. Uh, She stabbed him with a kitchen knife, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she blamed it all on him. Yeah, one of the bikers, like, after he's knocked out, like... One of them basically chases her like he, you know, yeah. wants to rape her, basically. And she finds a knife and, yes, basically, I think, kills him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, yeah, we like you said, you know, we find out Linda is the girl from the beginning and she's kind of... I don't know if she's either working for the lieutenant as their one of their girls or just that's happenstance. I, I uh, assume so. Yeah. Since she's there. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, anyway, we find all that out, um, at, you know, obviously, you know, like you said, she ran away after she killed the guy too sweet was still there, knocked out. He takes the fall. He goes to prison. So after all that, 
that kind of takes place. Um, then we get kind of a big scene here. Um, after, you know, Eugene had his match and everything, and after, you know, we kind of got the top of Eugene's story, then we kind of get the fall of it. Um, Half Dead um, ends up stabbing Eugene in the chest. They tried to kill Too Sweet. Right. Um, Too Sweet is doing very well with the boxing. Yep. And also, uh, he has been opposing their little gang um, at every turn. Mm -hmm. So they're just going to murder him. Yep. Um, Little prison shank. Yep. So Eugene Eugene saves him. Eugene saves Too Sweet. Um, It's kind of a, a nice... Touching moment, like, it's sad, but, you know, touching the old, you know, the old trainer, um, Seldom Jackson, breaks it up, um, Eugene dies, and we find out that Jesse, who was, you know, Eugene's lover, guy, lover, man, set the whole thing up. Yep. Um, so this kind of brings us down to, like, the showdown in the boxing ring between Jesse and Too Sweet, brings us to our, to our final there. Um, seldom the trainer, like kind of, you know, we see him work up with him and everything. Um, so we get the match basically, Mm -hmm. um, what happens in the match is kind of strange. Like Jesse is basically winning at a certain point. And is it just me? I, I, I thought I saw seldom throw the white towel, like at this in the match, like he wanted, he was wanting to call the match. Um, at least I saw a throw a towel thrown. Oh, that might be. I don't know. Um, I don't think they play by the same rules though. And they may that, not. That real life. I just found does. it odd that they focused on that. At least uh-huh. I thought they did. So you know that may mean something. It may not. Um, but either way, too sweet. Too sweet's like not calling this thing. So he gets back up. He you know gets his uh, head straightened, and he ends up taking down Jesse and and finishes him off and wins. It's a very unsatisfying fight. So, Too Sweet uh, gets out. We, you know, so he ends up winning. He gets out on parole, uh, has to continue to fight for his brother and for the cops, for the, the lieutenant's brother in law, yeah. and make him money. Um, we, you know, seldom, if, if I understand it, like he, he's had chances to leave prison. He has left he prison has left before. Prison. Um, we find out, you know, he doesn't want to leave prison. Um, and it, this is a, a very, you know, I think uh, an issue, especially back then, was guys would get thrown in, and they have these society like they 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 built this community, but they've also built a place where they can actually stay and feel somewhat. Uh, they have a life already established. Where if they get they leave prison, um, worse things are bound to happen to them, possibly. Yeah, it's outside. like how do you reintegrate with society? Yeah, which. Is also a condemnation on the prison system because our entire system is meant to reform people to where they can be back in society. But more often than not, um, that isn't the case and they just end up back in prison. Yeah. Um, Also, I I do think that, uh, you know, Jackson, he is like the heart and soul of the film. He has two speeches Mm -hmm. in the movie. Yeah. I... I thought the actor was really bad, but I thought the things he was saying was good. He reminded me of Kyrie Irving and Uncle Drew. <laughs> nice. Like I like that. That's just what it, that's just how it played for me. Just all right. I, I could feel a young blood coming out of him. Very nice. Very nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's basically Morgan Freeman and Shawshank Redemption. Like that's that's what the character is. You know, if you've seen that movie, and 
you, there's those characters in prison films. Yeah, and seldom, seldom is basically telling, you know, Too Sweet that, you know, you sure you want to leave because, you know, you got it made here with no societal problems in prison. Too Sweet basically says, well, we have to at least try. So Too Sweet gets out. The film ends with Too Sweet uh, kind of the way it began as well, and he's looking for a hitchhike. And we'll have to see if, well, we won't have to see. You know, I'd like to see the sequels, but oh, I don't even know if they him. have the same actors or what. But yeah, he, um, I do believe that Leon Isaac Kennedy is in all three of them. Okay, so we we find we will and maybe find out on his journey more. Yeah, the, <laughs> those were made throughout the eighties, and I have no idea about them other than I assume it's more of the same. Hopefully, the fight scenes are a little bit better. I will be picking up Penitentiary 2 at some point. Um, that's on Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome. Nice. I really enjoyed watching these Fanaka films. He was a filmmaker I knew nothing about. Sure. And I ended up quite liking him. I watched uh, his second feature called MMA the other night. Um, really enjoyed that movie. So that came out after Brother Charles? That was after Brother Charles. Okay. Very, very much like you could tell his... Just how how better of a filmmaker he became after just between those two movies alone. I I was actually quite impressed with with MMA and Penitentiary on his directing skills. Other than you know we've talked about you know some issues with his fights, which which I do get. But I think I was, he has some hangups with storytelling. Sure, uh, it's mostly structure, and I feel like the things that he's trying to say get ahead of how to present those things. Which can be problematic at times. And I will agree with you on Brother Charles. The other two, I didn't I didn't have an issue with, but I can see your point. <laughs> yes. So, anyway, I, uh, if, if for anybody interested, uh, Penitentiary is out on Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome. Brother Charles and MMA are on a double uh, feature disc from Vinegar Syndrome on Blu-ray as well. Um, so if you're interested in Jamal Fanaka, you should check those out. Penitentiary 2 is on Blu-ray as well. Um, a few of other his films are not yet. Uh, Penitentiary 3, I think, is pretty hard to get at this point, and he's got one or two others that I think are a little harder to find. But um, I, I, I quite enjoyed learning about him and watching his films, and I'm pumped to kind of finish out his filmography at some point. Nice. So. Um, is there a place that like people can stream? Does Vinegar Cinder have a stream streaming program? They do not have their own service, but uh, they you know sometimes you'll find their movies on Amazon Prime. Okay. I, I can't promise that these are on there, but you can at least check. Um, so sometimes you know, and if not, you could probably do the digital rental thing, right? Digital rental, and also a lot of their films at times will pop up on Shutter here and there. Oh, okay, so just you know, you might check those two things if you have access to those. Yeah, for services. sure. So, uh, yeah, any final thoughts from you? Nah, man, I'm, well, I wasn't, like, the hottest on, uh, you know, Brother Charles, like, I think Penitentiary's got a lot of interesting things, and while I was kind of crapping on Brother Charles, um, I do think there's some interesting things there, it's worth a watch, it's just, you know, it's long, it's slow, and, uh, you know, just gotta know that going in. But, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I watched them. All I'm right. glad I was exposed to Fair them. Fair enough. Uh, I, I'll just say, check them out. Go watch them. Check the movies out. and For your health. And see what you got. Uh, so, uh, what are we doing next time, man? Well, whenever we speak next, uh, we've got Godzilla King of the Monsters coming out in theaters. 
I'd like to take advantage of that and speak about at least uh, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. Uh, it's by Ashira Hondo, uh, 1964. So it's kind of like the height of uh, the Showa era Godzilla, you know, stuff that was going on then. Uh, it's going to have all the characters that are going to be in the new film. We are for sure going to watch that if we can. Um, I might like to squeeze some more films in. Uh, we'll just see you know, kind of uh, what our schedule allows. But we will be uh, covering that film, and I'll be talking about, uh, you know, Godzilla stuff as a whole. And I know you've seen uh, several of the movies, so, um, you know, Nolan's going to have a bunch of good stuff to add as well. So I'm excited. All right. Well, then uh, let's go ahead and give our shout-outs here before we leave. Uh, you can find me on uh, Letterbox at Chuck Madden Jr., you can also find us on Twitter at Cinema Parlor. Uh, you can find our show on iTunes and on SoundCloud, I believe. Yeah. Um, and uh, how about you, man? Yeah, uh, Esclover84 on uh, Letterbox. Uh, like he said, Cinema Parlor, you know, you can talk to any of us from there. Uh, also, our producer, Melanie. Yes, uh, give her give her a uh, follow as well. She is at Plastic Werewolf on Twitter. She is awesome. She's our editor. Yep. And we would uh, not sound nearly as good without her. She does a great job. So, yeah. Go follow her on Twitter. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, um I got nothing else. So, no, nah, man. Uh, it was fun. I got to see like a giant 30-inch or 30-foot dick. So, that's something you're not going to see every day. All right. Well, until next time, we will see you guys, you know, when we see you. Goodbye. Peace.